Welcome back, everyone, to episode 144 of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damien here with David and Matt. Uh, today, we're going to go a little bit in more into the Padres talk that we had this last week. Uh, the Tigers hired a GM, and then some teams that are already locked in have faced some very really big injury uh, concerns. But before we get to that, uh, David, how have you done this week? Well, it's, you know, had a good week. Uh, Saturday, less good, but a really good overall day for college football, and uh, you know, got to watch the Cubs kind of get back in it a little bit last week. They were, uh, you know, kind of down and out. It felt really bad, but, uh, they're back in the wild card right now. And, uh, you know, baseball wise playing the Braves right now winning. So I'm, I'm pretty happy, pretty, you know, enjoying it. How you doing, Matt? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I enjoyed my, um, my Sunday, uh, football wise, um, my Dolphins scored 70 points. So that was a lot of fun, but, um, I think uh, it's been a good week of baseball too. I, I've been watching a little bit, and um, you know the Braves are kind of cruise control, and it's you know these games don't really matter all that much. I mean, it, it sucks that they've had some injuries, so I've been kind of worried about that. And uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens um, going forward this week. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of exciting baseball. I'm really excited to watch some of these games. There's two, two or three really big series going on that are going to determine you know, wild card races, division races. And in fact, one of them is like a head to head. So it, it should be a really entertaining week of baseball. Well, Matt's and I have had a great weekend of uh, beating up on Colorado football teams, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, especially in the college football Saturday with Oregon versus Colorado. Uh, so that was a lot of fun this weekend. Um, really good set of games in general. Like, um, you know, the Notre Dame, Ohio state game was, yeah, that was good electric one. too. Um, and, and just overall it was a really fun week in there. It's kind of in the same boat with, with Matt. There's the Dodgers have already clinched. They've kind of been playing, but they kind of know their spot that they're locked into number two. So I've kind of zoned out a little bit on just their, the day-to-day games um, from them, but Overall, it's been a good week, and we do have some interesting topics to talk about here. And one of them we talked about last week, kind of, you know, looking inside the the dysfunction with the Padres and what was going to go on there and the story that was kind of going to kind of build from there. Well, Ken Rosenthal and Kevin Acey, who writes for one of the San Diego um, uh, reporting outlets, uh, they released an article, I believe it was Saturday, maybe it was Sunday, about kind of what the this future looks like for the Padres and sounds like they're going to have some, some big payroll drops. I mean, they're about 250 or 249 or 250 million this year. sounds like they want to drop down to about the 200 mark. And then also an interesting piece in there, which we kind of talked about a little bit last week was that AJ Perler is not guaranteed to be back next year. Uh, so that was a little bit interesting, but David, what did you take away from, uh, from that article? Well, uh, you know, the article itself, you know, brings up some really interesting points because they, you know, they say they're going to slash payroll. It's worth noting that this is a team losing Blake Snell and Josh Hader at the end of the season to free agency. Uh, they've only got one more year on Juan Soto. They might try to capitalize on on that. But you know what we've seen in recent years when it comes to those one year players like Francisco Lindor, Mookie Betts, the return isn't always like the same level that they traded away to get Juan Soto a couple of years ago. So, you know, that may be, that that's going to be a topic and people are going to discuss it, but I want, you know, I think that there's going to be some other guys on the chopping block for the roster. Um, this is a roster that, you know, has a huge run differential, but ended up, getting eliminated from the postseason um, a few days ago. So, you know, officially a team that we we were picking to win the NL West and to go to the World Series, they're officially not making the playoffs this year. So, um, you know, the, the Padres are, are just a situation that is extremely strange. And, uh, you know, I I think that this is a good thing, but, you know, the the Padres are just, you know, th- this is a disaster from the beginning of the season, really. And, and we, you know, we've been talking about them a lot. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, this, this to me is an indictment on the ownership uh, for the Padres. And there's a, there's different ways to be a bad owner. Um, you can be a, 
you know, you can be a, a notoriously cheap owner, like the Orioles or A's ownership groups. Um, you can be an overbearing owner that tries to control all the decisions like Jerry Jones in the NFL. Or you could be a owner that doesn't seem to know what he wants to do and, mm-hmm. you know, green lights your GM to sign these enormous, ridiculous contracts and then says, oh, yeah, well, now we're going to cut payroll. So, I mean, that the, the Padres set themselves up for a, a situation where they, they have to increase payroll from where they're at now in order to, you know, they're, 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 they got some huge contracts. I mean, and they already aren't deep enough. So, yeah. I mean, they're going to lose Hater, and that'll be several million off the books. And, I mean, th- there's a bunch of guys they signed this offseason, too, that, like, I mean, that they're paying some bad bad deals mm-hmm. right now. They're paying Hosmer still. They're paying, um, you know, I think there's – are they still paying Will Myers a little bit? Or, yes. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't think, know if they're I still paying through him. next year. Yeah. Is um, it? Cro- it's either through Cronin next year or through this season. I think – Cronenworth's a contract you might be able to get out of, which would make a lot of sense because, um, you know, with Hassan Kim and Xander Bogarts up the middle, like Cronenworth's playing first base, and there's no reason for Cronenworth to be playing first base. Like he, he's not a good enough bat for that. And you're taking you're taking away the value you get from his defensive, um, you know, his his good defensive stuff. So, I, to me, um, I mean. I mean, I, I've made my opinions pretty clear on AJ Preller that I've not been very mm-hmm. fond of him for a while. But to me, I mean, the ownership's got to answer if they're going to, you know, greenlight this huge payroll and all these gigantic contracts, and then they're going to cut it. Where, I mean, like I say, you're going to have to sub- supplement this roster with talent, and and I really don't think they're going to trade like Soto because, I mean, wh- what are you going to do? Like, the only chance that you have to have a run in the next ten years is for it to happen in the next two or three years because of these contracts, long-term contracts. And, I mean, that's that's not the time to trade away a guy in Juan Soto who, you know, you, you need him next year if you're going to compete. So, and you can't blow this roster up because the contracts are too bad. So, I mean, this is going to be a very difficult situation. The Padres are going to have a tough offseason. And to be totally honest, I think the Padres this year, they, they had some of these, these in-house issues that people have talked about, these clubhouse issues, whatever. I think part of it's just bad luck too. I mean, they went zero and twelve in extra inning games. Like if they go six and six in those games during the playoffs. I mean, it's you know there, there's a, some of it's bad luck involved and that kind of thing too. So yeah. you know, I don't. If I, if I were to pick next year, with if if the Padres make just a couple of like you know we're gonna sign some you know, Garrett, re-sign Garrett Cooper to play first base and trade Cronenworth or something and sign some, you know, average DA. Like, I would probably pick them to be in the playoffs uh, next year. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where they've had some bad luck and it seems like they're making, they're overblowing things a lot here to, you know, with, with what's going on. But uh, definitely some interesting stuff. It's going to be wild to see what happens with that team this offseason. Yeah, Peter Seidler really put, like he got the little brother syndrome from from being in the, the same division as the Dodgers and thought that he was just going to go in there and spend all the money. And yeah, I mean, they got the one, you know, the, they knocked him out of the playoffs last year and he made it sound like, you know, Hey, we're, we're big enough. We can compete with, with this market and all the time, like keep our payroll this high and do exactly what LA does. And I think he's learning that like, maybe we can't keep it like at that, that high level. Um, you know, as much as we th- thought we could, they have to have a good farm system and maybe it is a little bit of the Preller, um, you know, Preller agenda there. And if he gets out of there, but for ha- a team having to drop $50 million in payroll, they have legitimate questions about what they're going to do this next season. Yeah, like yeah. if, especially if they're losing Snell, like you need multiple people in that rotation. Like you're, well, you're not only losing Snell, you're losing Seth Lugo, who's been like a really solid guy for you this year in your rotation he's out of there you re-signed nick martinez which he's kind of been a swing man for you you have you darvish on the big contract but like michael walker was on a one-year deal like you almost have to rebuild this entire starting rotation outside of you darvish and joe musgrove and it's like and you're wanting to drop 50 million dollars in payroll i i don't know where you're gonna find that all the way 
and I and I doubt I doubt that fifty million dollar drop is all in one off season too. Like, um, but I, I tell you one one other little note on the Padres uh, that I want to bring up before we move on is with this payroll drop. Um, remember that they're one of the teams that their TV deal got mm-hmm. screwed over uh, by yeah. the regional sports networks because it's them. I think the Guardians and the Diamondbacks maybe. I think it's had, just the just the Diamondbacks and Diamondbacks uh, Padres. Padres right now. Yeah, I don't okay. think the Guardians are fully affected because I think they're still on Bally. Okay, so there's there's been like two, you know, these couple of teams that have had these issues, and and I I don't know exactly. There might be some uncertainty about how much money that they're going to get out of their contract that the, that you know was guaranteed to be paid. They might have been planning on that money coming in, and then you know they lose that money now. So, um. We'll see what happens there, but that that's another kind of wrench to throw into this. Yeah, so One, two things. Will Myers' contract is through this year. Okay. Um, and also, as far as the money thing, I think MLB came out and said that they're going to cover up to 80% of what this year is supposed to get. Gotcha. But then starting next year, I think it's unknown. Yeah. So that's something that the Padres are going to have to deal with this it, off season. Yeah, they'll be able to renegotiate for, for next year. Um, so I, yeah, I'm not it, too worried about that, but I wonder know, if they find year. another home or if they just yeah. stay with MLB for some reason. But anyways, yeah. sorry, David, go ahead. No, the one thing I was going to add was that one source of the money change could be on Bob Melvin. Um, he definitely is. The report came out today. I think that he has clashed a lot with like Josh Hader, uh, in terms of bullpen usage where Hader doesn't like to be used more than one inning and Melvin wanted to use him for multiple innings because he's his best bullpen pitcher. And uh, that's definitely been a source of friction for this Padres team, which I think there's been more than just that, just because of the the way they've lost a lot of these games have been, well, what if Josh Hader was on the mound for, you know, that second inning and extra innings there, maybe we would have won the game, but instead we give up the, you know, the go ahead run. So, you know, it, it does seem like, there's friction aside from just, you know, j- you know, just from this, you know, ownership to the to the players. There's there's a lot of uh, internal strife going on that uh, they're going to need to get cleaned up before they can go into competing next year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump over um, to the Tigers. They hired Jeff Greenberg as their new GM. He will still be working under president of baseball operations, Scott Harris, who got hired last year from, I believe it was the giants. Um, Greenberg is, if I'm correct, he's currently working in the Chicago Blackhawks front office or was at that Mm -hmm. point. Um, I don't know exactly which role he had there, but, uh, hiring a guy from notorious franchise who hasn't been ran well the past few years to be a new GM from a different sport is a little bit out there. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, David can probably speak more to him because uh, he's a Blackhawks <laughs> fan and a and this guy I believe worked for the Cubs, right? Um, so yeah, I've, I've got it pulled yeah. up on what he what he did, but yeah. So it, it's just um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's gonna create that. There's not gonna be that much put on this guy. Um, obviously, Scott Harris is calling the shots here. Um, I will say that. Scott Harris needs all hands on deck in this in this franchise because they are not in a good situation right now. They do have some money to spend soon, uh, but they obviously have not spent money wisely over the last couple of years. I mean, the Javier Baez contract, there's a few outlier contracts like Strasburg and, and Corbin and then, you know, Anthony Rendon. Like there's a few just insanely bad contracts. Javier Baez is just a barely a step behind that, and, and it's really only because he's not paid quite as much money as those guys. Like it's it, that contract has been horrible, and um, you know, and obviously that's not Scott Harris's fault, but he's the guy that's going to be tasked with with coming out of this. Not to mention the Tigers are bad, and their farm system is just okay. I mean, they're, they're they don't have the worst farm system in baseball, but it's it's not great. So you've got a bad major league team, you've got some bad contracts on the books, even though you do have a little bit of money to spend and you don't have a good farm system, they really need a lot of help here. And um, it's going to, I think it's going to be a tough few years still for the Tigers, even though there, there is a little bit of optimism about a couple of their younger players who are big leaguers like Torkelson and, and Riley Green, you know, showing some signs this year. 
but we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. But um, you can go ahead, David, because I, I know you probably have more to say on on these guys than I do. You know, you know, not. I don't know so much about Jeff Greenberg, right? This is pretty clearly a Scott Harris, uh, you know, hire of a guy he liked working with back when he worked with the Cubs. Greenberg got up to being assistant general manager, and that was in when you know Scott Harris was high up in the front office uh, as of like 2020. Uh, but last year he got hired by the Blackhawks to be the uh, the associate GM, which you know that was just to kind of oversee a team tanking. There isn't really, I don't think there's any referendums on Greenberg's skill, but transitioning between sports can't be an easy thing to do. So I, I you know I I assume he's more of a figurehead in terms of a GM here, where maybe he's a really good relations guy. Uh, who can get in there and make the phone calls and and be you know buddy buddy with the other GMs to try to you know get those relationships as good as possible so that you know trades and stuff and discussions can be made easier. But you know ultimately, yeah, you're, like Matt said, I think this is a Scott Harris hire. I think this is kind of Scott Harris's organization right now. And you know the, the Tigers are, as we've mentioned, they're a very very difficult team to pinned down because you have young talent overlapping with, you know, some of the lesser talented, uh, you know, kind of aging stars, former stars that are really in bad places. And uh, the, the, the air around that organization has been really negative for a couple of years now. So um, I, you know, I think it's going to take a while. Um, I don't know that this, co- this hire has a, any major impact, but I think we'll see whether Greenberg's, you know, and, and Harris is kind of group, which is the same group that, you know, had, you know, got helped getting the Cubs, you know, into content to being a contending team, you know, in the late 2010s. You know, that's, this is that group. So, you know, I think they have a blueprint. I think they'll, they'll start working on it. You know, maybe there, there's definitely some options for them, but for now, I, th- I think we'll just keep our eye on, you know, some of these trade options and maybe whether the Tigers try to throw around a little money. Cause that is not a, uh, a team that, that typically stands pat for a long time in free agency. We see them pop up and sign big players all, all the time. So, um, you know, how long will they be quiet? I'm not sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that that relationship develops there. Um, but let's go ahead and jump over to talking about some of the injuries that we've had happen this past week. And let's talk about probably the most injury-riddled team this year in the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, we've went over how much they've lost from their starting rotation this year. Um, and they've had some, some key injuries on their, uh, some, from some of their players too this year. But uh, this past week they lost Brandon Lau, who was, or low, I don't know how he pronounces it. I think it's Lau, um, who was just kind of starting to find his swing again uh, to a fractured kneecap. So he'll be out four to six weeks. Uh, and then Friday night, Randy Rosarena got pulled from the game with a quad injury He's been day-to-day, has not played since then. Um, but they did call up top prospect Junior Caminero, who I believe per fan graphs was a top 10 prospect. Um, he was two for nine coming into tonight. I think he had another hit so far, but um, he'll kind of help fill in that infield role for now. Uh, but still, they have a couple bigger injuries there. With Brandon Lau, who's their starting second baseman. And then, of course, Randy Rosarena, who we've seen be playoff hero and WBC hero how many times already? Yeah. But uh, how do you think this affects them, Matt? Um, so, I mean, it definitely affects them. Brandon Lau is really good. That is Lau. His, the Nathaniel Lowe used to play for the Rays, and I used to get it mixed up all the time because they pronounced their names different, even though they had the same name. But uh, I do believe his is Lau. Um, not to be not to be confused with his teammate Josh Lowe, who is Nathaniel's brother. Yeah, yeah it's super weird. It's, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> um, but yeah, Brandon Brandon Lowe, uh, fractured kneecap. That sounds like a painful injury. I don't like to hear that. Um, I mean, I guess four to six weeks. If they made the World Series, he maybe could be a factor. I don't. I don't know. Um, that would be difficult. But I guess it happened last week too. So. Looking at the calendar, um, you know, if he made the World Series, then maybe. Uh, I, I I imagine Randy is okay. They probably probably just tweet something a little bit, and they just are taking it easy with him because uh, they, they kind of know where they're going to be in the playoff hunt. Um, and then Junior Caminero is interesting. He was called up from straight from Double A. He's really killing it at Double A this year, and he's only 19 years old. 
but this guy is a top 15 prospect in all of baseball. You know, I think by every site, I think I saw one site has him as a top five prospect um, in baseball. So uh, definitely an interesting guy. He's kind of the, uh, he's kind of the, um, you know, the, I guess he's the heir apparent to, to what Wander Franco was for them where, you know, they needed another guy um, to, um, they needed, they need another superstar in that organization, assuming that, you know, the Wander Franco situation that never, you know, depending on how that goes, but this guy's another just potential top, top flight player for the Rays that they pulled out of their farm system. And Hey, they got him from Cleveland too. I see. So, um, what a, I don't even know who the trade was for that. Um, I'll look it but, up real quick. Yeah, that, that that might be an interesting one. That might be a raise a raise move. But um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see what how he does. But it just sucks for the Rays. Like you mentioned, they have so many. They have had so many injuries. Um, you know, we already mentioned losing these two guys, and then uh, you know, losing Franco, even though that wasn't an injury thing. But you know, Luke Rayleigh, I think, is on the IL. Uh, Jose Series out. Uh, and then their pitching staff, like they're, I mean, they have the best rotation in baseball on the IL, like McClanahan, Rasmussen, Springs, and um, um, there's one more Boz. that Chain Boss. Boz is on the. There's another one too uh, that's on the IL for the from the rotation. Like who did you say? I said McClanahan, Springs, Rasmussen, Shane Baz, and uh, there's one more that I'm blanking on that was in their rotation that was performing really well. Uh, who's on the IL, but either way, um, very, um, very unfortunate. We'll see what, how it affects them. Um, but as long as Randy plays, I think, you know, as long as he plays a couple of games this week, I would, I'm not too worried about him, uh, actually being out, but, uh, you know, Brandon Lau, that's going to hurt. So those are the four right now. Glass now was, but he's back and right, Eflin yeah. was, but he's yeah. back. Um, so there's that. And Junior Caminero was acquired from the Guardians in a 40-man roster crunch for pitcher Tobias Myers, who has not reached the major leagues and is currently with the Milwaukee Brewers now. And this year in AA had a 5.03 ERA and a 5.06 FIP. Um, and he's 25 years old, so 30th ranked prospect don't, in the Brewers organization. Don't trade away these young DSL prospects for nothing. Don't do it. Just don't do it, Cleveland. Don't do it, anybody. Don't do it, Dodgers. Um, the Dodgers have done it like four times, and it's like, true. what well, in the world? Least, at least they could say they're still good from it's it. Worth, but, yeah, but it is worth noting that for every junior Caminero, there's a guy you've never heard of who flamed out at age 21 in high A. So that right, is I, right. You know. I don't, I don't mind trading them for like a big leaguer, but you know, trading them for somebody who can't make the big league roster that's on the 40 man that has to be moved off the 40. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, you know, you could have just gotten the guy for cash or something from the Rays. I mean, you didn't have to give up a player. Yeah, so Caminero um, is. Who, who's to one, say that Junior Caminero stays the same and keeps the same development path in Cleveland too? So probably not. No. But. Yeah, he's one for three tonight. Has a run in RBI, but um, well, yeah. Um, but the super young guy can hit just all around. He's actually, I think, been graded as a pretty decent defender at third base uh, this past year. I know that have been a lot of question marks, um, but he'd really stepped up this year. Um, his defensive value. So it will be interesting to see where they play there because you do have Paredes who's been playing some third. Um, I don't think you want to shift Caminero over to, to short or not, but um, he was supposed to get added to the, to the 40 man this year anyways, this off season. So it's guess it's just getting a, an early look at him um, ahead of time, which is incredibly rare that a 20 year old has to get added to a 40 man roster crunch, but Hey, here we are. Uh, Cam is going to rake though. I think he is, yeah. uh, he's, I think he'll rake a lot. Um, so big losses for the Rays, but jumping over to the Braves, they've had a couple big losses, um, that I don't think will quite hurt them into the playoffs, but, uh, they did lose top two in their yeah. rotation so far in Max Freed to a blister on his left index finger. And then Charlie Morton had to leave his start the other day with a right index finger sprain or inflammation. Um, there's been kind of conflicting stories from that, but he's also on the IL. Um, so they lose 
two two starting rotation members, but they should be back by the playoffs. That's correct, Matt. No, uh, Freed should. Oh. Charlie Morton is not back for the NLDS. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So Max Freed, he had a he actually had like they called it a hot spot where they thought a blister might be forming. It gave him a couple extra days before his last start, and then he pitched and pitched all right. And then they said he has a blister and put him on the IL, which. But, you know, they're giving him more than – they're giving him like three weeks to heal up from a blister. I think he'll be okay um, unless he's Walker Bueller. Um, and then <laughs> – and then um, – but Charlie Morton's thing, that is very concerning because Charlie Morton has not been fantastic this year. But he's been steady as a number three pitcher, and he's not going to pitch in the NLDS. It sounds like he probably would be back for the CS, um, but – you're looking at a huge drop off because because of the injury to Kyle Wright this year and just a lack of you know quality depth in the rotation and the young guys really figured it out. You're looking at Bryce Elder as the three starter and let me tell you, Bryce Elder is just not very good. I mean, he had a hot couple of months to start the season, but he's just not a very good pitcher and his stuff's not very good. And if you don't have good stuff, you better throw strikes and not walk people. And he walks tons of guys, so. Um, I don't know if maybe give him a, him having a couple of weeks, a, a, an extra week off between his last he started the regular season and then his playoff start could maybe he maybe he's had a little bit better control because he's worn down a little bit. Um, but I definitely am concerned about the Braves rotation and, and obviously with Freed too. Like he will have gone three weeks. He might be a little bit rusty when he comes back. So hopefully free uh, blister heals up and he's he'll be ready to start. I'm assuming they probably start him game two of the of the playoff series and Strider game one with him coming off the IL. But uh, definitely a, um, definitely a tough um, you know that, that's definitely tough for the Braves. It it really has hurt. Yeah, you know we look back at the trade deadline and neither the Dodgers nor the Braves were able to add in the starting rotation whether it be depth or otherwise um you know and at this point the Braves are feeling that loss of depth with the loss of Charlie Morton i think Strider and Freed is still a good you know one two and you'll probably be able to get another start out of Strider and maybe also Freed in these longer series um if you were gonna, note yeah, I was the, gonna say, the, dates. The, the way the way that you the, when you mentioned that they they will get two starts. Assuming that Freed's blister heals up and he's healthy, they will get two starts um, out of both of them in the division series. Assuming that if, if it goes five games, uh, the, the way the off days line up, you can start your game one starter in game four on regular rest, and your day game two starter in game five on regular rest. So they would get starts from Freed and. Uh, Strider uh, twice if if the series went five games. The, the concerning thing for me is that you know, say you lose one of those first two, you know, with Strider and Freed pitching, you're relying on in that huge game three swing game. You're relying on a guy who is just not very good. I mean, you're like he might be a five starter on in a good rotation typically, mm-hmm. and but when you have injuries, I mean, it, it happens. I mean, it's. You know, I remember Josh Tomlin started World Series games for the Cleveland, so it's like, you know, it's part of the game. But it's uh, definitely unfortunate for for the Braves, to, especially. I mean, both these injuries happened after they clinched, so that really hurts too. As in, you got to keep pitching them some, but it's just unfortunate all around. I wonder if I wonder if Alan Winnens won't get some run. He he looks like I, he's got a a decent, you know. <sighs> Fit, I trust but... him. I, I trust him more than Bryce Elder right now, but I, I just I don't think that Bryce Elder's been in the big leagues all year. Um, and I just like the first week of the season before he got called up. So I imagine they'll go with Bryce Elder. I, I just I'll be shocked if they don't. Probably on a short leash, and it'll probably be more of a bullpen game, which which helps in the postseason. Uh, you know that you can probably manage having more of a bullpen game there, but uh, definitely um definitely a difficult situation pitching wise. Elder's definitely a pitch to contact type of pitcher and those just aren't you know, those are good for your rotation 
you know, in the regular season, those are the types of guys who go the whole year. They don't get injured. Uh, you need those types of pitchers on your team. But to start one of the world the games in the playoffs, it's just unreliable, right? The other team might hit all those balls right at somebody, but, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to predict strikeouts. And that's why you want these pitchers who get whiffs at a, a higher rate, much like Spencer Strider. Yeah. Um, so one other thing, let's move over to, um, let's save the, the Marlins and the Reds thing until we're talking about the wild card thing, actually real quick. Um, the want to mention that the twins did get Chris Paddock back, uh, this week, uh, was a weird scenario where he was going to pitch in the game and then it got rain delayed and he never actually got the pitch. Um, and, but it is a, a big get back for the twins who have already locked up their spot. They'll be in the, in the wild card, um, in the wild card series, he's probably going to be out of the bullpen, but still to get a guy back from Tommy John, who you know is has been a solid pitcher before, uh, let's big get back for the Twins real quick. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like um, you know I, I liked the Chris Paddock pickup when they got him, um, and you know we'll see what happens. I you know coming off of Tommy John surgery, um, we'll see if he's able to. We'll see if he's able to, you know, be fully back immediately because um, he could factor into their bullpen. And, and honestly, I like him as a bullpen arm with the fact that he's got that like really, really good change up. And that pitch will be really difficult to see the first time around. So if he's able to have the feel for that immediately, you know, you might see him as a bullpen arm because uh, the Twins are an interesting team. They got some good pitching um, and yeah. they've got guys with track records in their lineup but they just haven't performed that well this year. That, that That's a sneaky, that could be a sneaky postseason like surprise team, uh, you know, to take down like the, like a Texas or Houston or, or, or uh, Baltimore or something. So um, I, I would definitely, um, it's definitely interesting to see Chris Paddock. And I'm very glad he's back. Cause I mean, anytime somebody comes back from Tommy John surgery, that's very, um, very good news. So. I like Chris Paddock. I've liked him for a while, and uh, this is now five years removed from that really good 26-game stretch in 2019 as a rookie where he put up a 333 ERA, kind of looked like a potential you know, future stud um, starting pitcher in the major leagues and just has not been able to put it together, whether by injury or ineffectiveness. And, you know, we, we did laud this, this signing, uh, over a year ago and, you know, it's been a while since Chris Paddock's been able to pitch, but he's finally back now. And hopefully, uh, in the last couple of weeks of the season and maybe into the playoffs, he can make an impact. I, I like his stuff, got a good change up, but you know, not a, uh, you know, not a superstar level talent. That's going to be throwing 99, you know, yeah. We're hoping he can just get back to that 93, 94 he was sitting at before. Yeah. And playing out of the bullpen might allow it a little bit extra um, for the, for the playoff run at least. But uh, so let's kind of look at the kind of the wild card, how it lays up right now. Uh, and we'll talk about the injuries that have happened kind of with those teams here. Um, let's go ahead and start in the national league side where right now it looks like Philly is basically a lock uh, to get in there five games up. Um, and then you have Arizona and Chicago are tied for the last two spots with Miami one game back behind them. And then Cincinnati two and a half games back from them. Um, Miami, it was confirmed this week that Sandy Alcantara will not be back. He tried to do a rehab start, um, was good in the rehab start, but then felt forearm tightness again after that. So he has been shut down for the year. So losing the, the reigning Cy Young award winner for the Marlins, um, you know, for down the stretch and into the playoffs that hurts. Uh, and then the reds at two and a half back there as well on the fringes of the wild card battle, they've shut down Matt McLean for the rest of the year. So they won't be getting him back either. Who's had a really solid rookie season for them. Uh, I think I see, saw something the other day that like when they didn't have him in the lineup, they were under 500. And when they did, they were like five or 10 games above 500. Um, so it's been a, a, a pretty big loss there for Matt McLean and then Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins and the reds. Yeah, this is an interesting battle right now. Um, first off, those injuries are bad. I mean, I didn't expect – when Sandy went down with forearm tightness, I didn't expect him to come back um, this year. And I know he kind of tried to, but he needs to rest it and not damage himself where he can't pitch next year. Um, and then Matt McLean, that really sucks um, that he's 
out because he had a great rookie year, and I look forward to see what he does in the future. Although, and we we could talk about the Reds, but they're you know they'd have to have a lot go right this week. They'd have to win all their games this week and have help to to make it at this point. Which they're kind of like the Orioles were last year, but um they're you know they're a they've been a fun team and uh good for them on on having a good season and and maybe being able to finish above 500, which would be awesome considering where they were projected before the season. But, um, but then you got the, the, uh, the wild card matchup in the national league is interesting. Um, you've got, you know, the, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks and the Marlins all separated by one game. And, um, the Marlins have the tiebreaker over the Cubs. So if the, you know, mm-hmm. in the, in the, so that's really, I think that's really the battle. Cause I, I feel like the, the Diamondbacks with the two game advantage, I feel like they're probably going to be in because they, they've really got, they, I know they're only one game up technically on the, on the Marlins or, but with the tiebreaker, they're two games up. So, cause the, if a tie goes to the Diamondbacks. So I, I, I feel pretty good about them getting in. Um, the interesting thing with the Cubs and the Marlins is that the Marlins schedule this week is way weaker than the Cubs. The Cubs are a better team, but the Marlins are playing the Mets and the Pirates, whereas the Cubs are playing the Braves and the Brewers. So, um, obviously game one's gone pretty well for the, for the Cubs tonight, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens. And it's just, it's interesting. Um, and, and, and another factor too, like you talk about. You know, I was talking earlier about the the Braves and the Brewers have both clinched. They're locked into their spots pretty much, and you know, there's not a lot of urgency. There's a lot of hey, let's get some rest for our guys type thing this week. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, you know, in lineup cards over the last few days. But uh, I could determine some of this. So it's gonna be very interesting and uh, very close. Yeah, it's you know. It's worrisome from the the Cubs' perspective, but for the good news, at least on our side, and the bad news for the Marlins' side, on top of the Sandy Alcantara injury, is that um, the Marlins' game today versus the Mets got postponed till tomorrow. Yep. They'll be doing a double header. Uh, one of those games was one of the Sandy Alcantara expected starts, I think, because they are projecting for a bullpen game tomorrow, and then they have no off days the rest of the way. So going to be tough on the Marlins for sure. I think if the Marlins get in at this point, you know, they'll have deserved it because this is a tough way to end regardless of who you're playing. Even if it is, you know, just the Mets, it's, you know, not exactly, it's not the way you're going to want to, uh, you know, have to go about things. They're going to have to use a lot of pitchers tomorrow. Uh, You know, we'll, we'll see what they do. Diamondbacks are see the thing about the Diamondbacks is that they, they just came back from down four to one to the White Sox to lead seven to four. Y- you know, th- that's a team that we kind of penciled into the playoffs from early in the season, and they had a really big long slump in August to where it, it kind of looked like they were going to be out of it. And um, you know, I I don't know that I don't know that I trust the Diamondbacks to get in here. It is the thing, even though, you know, this is a team that, that has the tiebreaker over both the Cubs and the Marlins and has played really well lately to get themselves into the position they're in. You know, this is a team without a whole lot of a whole lot of pitching. It's a team without a whole lot of, um, you know, offense aside from Corbin Carroll and, and Christian Walker and I guess Ketel Marte. But. You know, they're reliant on a lot of guys who have been very streaky this season. And we've seen what happens when that kind of whole team goes cold and Corbin Carroll gets hurt. And, you know, he's back now and they're they're firing on all cylinders. But, you know, it, all it takes is one quick slump. So, I don't know. I think I'm less I'm 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 most worried about the Cubs. Honestly, they got the Brewers and the Braves. And regardless of the urgency, that, that's a tough schedule. And they're they're performing good tonight. But, um. You know, this is that's a team that's struggled with with rotation depth, just like you know we talked about the Braves and the Dodgers, and um, you know they got Justin Steele tonight, but I think Javier Assad's going to go this week. You know they're going to have Jordan Wicks pitching a game this week, and you know those are guys who are making their first full season in terms of starts. So uh, you know it's, it's going to come down to young guys, you know, performing in in these clutch situations, and uh, you know I think I think among these four teams, you're going to have two good deserving playoff teams, but you know, it's it it is going to be a bummer for the two that miss. And I'm hoping it's not the Cubs, but uh, 
<laughs> you know, at, at this point, you know, we're guaranteed a season over 500. Feels like a good season. I think a lot of all, all four of these teams are going to have, you know, some some po- a lot of positives to take away from this season because it's a uh, it's going to be a crapshoot here down to the end. Yeah. So actually, looking at it. I think the Marlins have the tiebreaker over the Diamondbacks, actually. Oh, really? Oh, do they? They went 4-2 and two against the Diamondbacks this year. Um, so on the on the MLB.com postseason tiebreakers thing, it has the Marlins as having the advantage over the Phillies, Cubs, and the Diamondbacks. Um, and the Reds, technically, because they tied the season series with the Reds, apparently, but... They have a 25 and 24 interdivision record. So they are technically how hold it over them as well. Wow. So I actually think the Marlins have the tiebreaker over everyone they're really competing against for the wild card. Um, so that might actually change what we've been talking about here. I just wanted to, I was looking up to just so we could clarify it, but um, the Cubs, the Cubs don't have the advantage have over any anyone except the Giants um, or Padres, but those don't matter. And the Diamondbacks have it over the Giants, Padres, Cubs, but they don't have it against the Marlins, Phillies, and Reds. So, yeah, the Marlins actually hold the tiebreaker against yeah, everyone go. they're competing with. Um, so maybe that's a that's a, even a, more of an interesting thing about them. They could potentially get in if they're back the one game right now. But it is it is fascinating just looking at the this um you know at this NL wildcard race. I mean you you have four teams really that are in the thick of it. Really three teams because the Phillies have pretty much locked it in there. So this last week against with the Arizona Cubs and Miami all fighting with within one game of each other and the way the wild or the uh, the tiebreakers could work there, it's going to be really fascinating um, heading down the stretch. But um, looking over uh, and then in the division side on the National League, the Brewers should clinch tonight. Um, so other than that, all divisions would be clinched in the National League. Uh, looking at the AL East, it's still a two and a half game lead for uh, Baltimore over Tampa Bay. This is regarding or before whatever happens tonight as recording this of 926. Uh, Minnesota has already clinched. The AL West, Texas is up two and a half games. Houston and Seattle, who are battling each other either for that division or for the wild card, have a head-to-head series. Houston won last night. So the way the wild card is looking is Tampa Bay is nine games up. They're locked in. Toronto is one and a half up. Houston currently holds that last wild card spot against Seattle. Like I said, they're one and a half up on Seattle right now. Everyone else is eliminated, and Seattle and Houston have this this uh three game series that they're playing right now. So if Houston wins the next two, they're pretty much guaranteed to get in, but fascinating couple games here with the, the way that the, uh, the wild card is kind of shaping up to be those last two teams facing head to head here in the last week. Yeah. This American league West slash wild card battle has been awesome. Um, Seattle playing is playing against Houston. Um, and it, it's just been, it's it, last night's game was a lot of fun. Um, the ballpark in Seattle was just electric um, and Justin Verlander came in there and just shut it down. Like it was, it was pretty crazy. It was, and then, you know, they played the next two days and pitching matchups over the next couple of days, favor the favor, the uh, Mariners a little bit more. And um, so that'll be interesting. And then over the weekend, the, the, you know, neither team, the Mariners nor the Astros really get too much of a break as you know, the Astros go to Arizona and play the Diamondbacks, and the Mariners play the Rangers, who, if the Rangers clinch before the weekend, that could be beneficial because they could have, like, a hangover lineup, too, in one of those games. Whereas, and, and the Cardinal, and the Diamondbacks, I guess, is kind of an, a similar a similar thing where they could clinch being in the playoffs and rest their guys the last day of the season or something. So that could be a pretty big deal as to when those teams clinch. But, um Definitely going to be interesting, um, and I, man, I, I don't know. These games are going to be so much fun over the weekend, um, you know, or over the next five days, because I think anything could really happen in the in the AL West and the in the wild card here. Yeah, and you know, and the you know this this Astros team being led by Kyle Tucker, 
right now offensively, who is one home run and one stolen base away from 30-30 season. And it'll be, you know, what, fourth, fifth one that we've even considered talking about this year. Like, it's it's been a, a crazy offensive season overall. But, you know, just the fact that Kyle Tucker's having kind of a really, really excellent season, getting absolutely not talked about whatsoever, um, you know, just kind of goes to show you how crazy this division is. You know, I want to point out like the Marcus Simeon's been really good for the the Rangers, and he and Corey Seager up the middle are probably the best shortstop second base combo in baseball. Um, and I, you know, that's a just a group that has really come alive. We'll talk about another guy who's really helped the Rangers get back in this race because there for a minute it was looking like this was going to be Houston's division. You know, running away, Mariners came from I think ten games back. They might have been even further back. Yeah, and, and and rose up and and are even in the race here, and that's that's really special. Um, you know, kind of behind we've talked about Julio Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh's been really good for them, but you know, it's a this race is going to come down to these games tonight, right? With the the, the Mariners and the Mariners are a team of of stories and of of destiny, and you know, but if it's not you know like do or die. The Mariners kind of tend to to miss the playoffs by one game a lot. That's happened a number of times recently. I think yeah. 2017, 2019, both years it happened. So these these next two games are must win for the Mariners. Like absolutely yeah. must win. If they lose one of these next two, I think they're done. Yeah, it's the Mariners are on the outside looking in. We'll get playoff playoff Blue Jays, which is cool. We'll get you know playoff Bo Bichette and Vlad Vlad Jr. and Kevin Gosman up there, so that'll that'll be good. I think I think we're we're pretty safe. It, it feels yeah. good. They yeah. got Mariners have to get to 87 wins to kick out the Blue Jays. I, I just I don't know. Yeah. I think their best bet is to just get ahead of the Astros. Yeah, with their schedule, all all three of those uh, AOS teams, their schedule remaining, I don't think they'll pass the Blue Jays. Yeah. So. You know, the, the, this race is is maybe the the second closest one I think overall. You know, you've got those four teams in the NL. You've got three teams fighting. This is why MLB did expand that wild card. And um, you know, I think that having this these extra teams is is it's maybe it feels like a lot. And maybe you know teams that aren't quite so good are getting in. But this what's going to happen now is you know in the next couple of years we're going to get expansion. And then we're going to feel like, man, I just don't know. There's going to be so many teams fighting for the wild card. And every year, I think having these extra spots is going to enable these races in September baseball to kind of, you know, take advantage of, of the excitement and the, the flux and be something, you know, that these fans can keep their their hats on. Because, you know, when baseball really matters, man, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is worth noting why the AL West race is so important is because who, whatever team gets that clinches the number two seed in the yes. American League and they get the first round by. Um, so, and, you know, and then that would they would have to face the winner of Minnesota and then whoever that last team is, which it's going to be one of those division teams, either Houston or Seattle or Texas will be that last wild card team. So you'll face the winner of that series, which I think any of the NL AL West kind of teams, I mean, obviously they played each other there, but you know, that that's why that race is so important for the, actually to the division and the wild card there is because you will clinch that by um, through the first round of the playoffs there. So it will be interesting to see if Texas does uh, or whoever clinches that, if it Texas does really soon, if they do rest people because they would have almost that week break, um, which You've seen teams, I mean, the, the Braves and the Dodgers haven't really been resting people because I think they're a little bit more afraid of just the longer layoff um, that's going to happen there with the uh, with the way the wild, the schedule's all set up. I think I think the Braves and Dodgers have been resting guys. They just haven't been resting them like every single day. Like, I, they've been just kind of giving guys, guys time off. The Dodgers always give time, guys time off because they're such a platoon-based team, except for their two superstars who they've been giving a little bit of time off lately, but. I really think they 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 missed like the first game after yeah they clinched and then they've been in the lineup every yeah. single day since yeah um, at least for for Mookie and Freddie but um <clears throat> it is it is going to be a fascinating here with these next two games uh, in Seattle and then that weekend series um, for what it's actually going to look like because it could affect the race um, there but 
and you know these division rivals don't want to, you know, roll over for yeah. you know, even if they're locked up. Like the Brewers yeah. are not going to roll over for the Cubs. They would much rather see the Cubs sitting at home in in October than, you know. I wonder if like I wonder if like Texas clenches and then they're like, well, we don't want Houston in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come out, so, show up, so, play, so they, get like, ready for the much, playoffs. Play them like much the rather, playoff games. We'd much rather have Seattle in. Yeah, so we're like gonna that. tank against Seattle. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, uh, I guess anyways. that's the opposite, but anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, so let's jump down to some of the other kind of miscellaneous things that we had. Um, so we mentioned last week that Adam Wainwright got his 200th uh, win in that seven inning uh, shutout performance. Well, Ollie Marmol, the Cardinals manager, came out today and said that that will be the last time that Adam Wainwright pitches in his career. Um, Wainwright had already said that this would be his last season. Uh, so Adam Wainwright now retires at 200 wins, a 353 ERA, 354 FIP, 47.6 war per fan graphs, um, over 2,600 innings pitched. Um, just a fabulous career here, but that will end his uh, his pitching side. He did leave open the opportunity that Wainwright could potentially hit in one of the games if the Reds are out of the playoffs run uh, out of the playoff race, there would be a potential that Wainwright might DH for a game. That would be, be pretty cool. Get him, yeah, get him the, the, the standing O, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's had a fun – he's been a fun – back when pitchers hit, he he always was a guy that was fun to watch hit because he, he actually was – I mean, for a pitcher, he was pretty decent at it. He hit some home runs in his career, so that would be pretty, pretty cool. And he's going to be a really good TV analyst too. I know he did that for the playoffs a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, if he decides to go that route, um, I think he'll be a really good TV analyst. He was really good when he did the playoff one, but, um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. It's good to see, good to see them, uh, let him, let him walk out on a, on a good note of what's been a horrible year and, uh, finish on a high note. So. Yeah. I think he's already signed for Fox. If I'm oh, not mistaken, yeah. I think I he figured, signed a contract kind of like Tom Brady did yeah, for whenever he retired. He probably did. So, um, so another guy we had retire is Sean Doolittle, left-handed reliever. Um, had 112 saves on his career, uh, 450 innings pitched, a 3.20 ERA, 2.95 FIP. Um, you know, relievers don't get much WAR, but 11.4 WAR here. Had a really solid career. Was a, a real dominant lefty for some of those years in Oakland, and then a part of some of those Washington teams. Was a part of the World Series team in Washington. Um, and kind of bounced around here and there lately, but uh, really good career. And Doolittle was always kind of one of the more funny, quirky type people out there, but he calls it a career now too. Yeah. Doolittle had a couple of really awesome years uh, in there. They had a 2018 nationals had a 160 ERA uh, and almost two war, which is an awesome reliever year. 2014 Oakland on a, I believe that was a playoff team. Um, it had was. a 273 ERA in uh, 62 innings, uh, 22 saves. Um, he's a pretty underrated reliever, a really, really solid lefty reliever. Um, and he was, he was always fun to watch. So, um, congrats to Sean Doolittle. Uh, he got his 10 years, uh, in the big leagues. So, um, very cool to see him, uh, you know, be able to celebrate a great career. So. Sean Doolittle's a, a good dude. Won't be, won't be a hall of famer. You know, I like to, you know, think about the hall of fame a lot with, with these you know, retiring guys, but, uh, Doolittle's. You know, one of those guys that's going to go down as a somebody you remember not just for for his baseball, but he's he's a good dude off the field. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and the beard, obviously. Uh, so the last guy, which we'll probably talk more about this at some point in the off season, just to to give it more of a uh, a, a true send off of what it of what the career should be. But Miguel Cabrera starting his last homestand of his career, um, I believe it was tonight in Detroit. Um, just looking back at the Curry's head was a rookie in 2003 with Marlins uh, in 2008, got traded to Detroit. He's been there ever since he's a two time MVP, uh 12 time all-star. He won the triple crown, seven time silver slugger, four time batting champ has 510 homers, a 306 average 382 on base, 518 slugging a career 139 WRC plus and he's at 67.4 war, but he was well over 70, but the last few years in a, a negative war, basically since 2017, because he had 1.2 war there in the 
2018 and 2020 combined there, but negative outside that, but a definite hall of famer. If David's, uh, we're talking <laughs> about that here. Yeah. I mean, I will. It's he, he is <laughs> five, 500 home runs. He, he's going to get in at this point. I think if you know, we're not going to see a whole lot of guys get to 500 home runs, um, you know, going forward with just the way the pit, you know, pitching is and, and longevity of careers and stuff, it's going to, yeah, you know, the best players are going to get there, and those are the ones you're going to see that are deserving. Miguel Cabrera with the Marlins World Series champ as a rookie, um, made it to the World Series a couple more times with Detroit. Didn't get it either time, but um, ultimately, you know, won the Triple Crown. This is a guy who had, you know, both peak and longevity. Signed one of those really big long-term extensions with Detroit. One of the, you know, when I was talking earlier about them being willing to throw money around, this is one of the you know, players that they did it with. And unfortunately the la- the back end of this contract has looked kind of bad. He has really lost his power. I can't help but wonder if, you know, some of that's been playing in Detroit, but a uh, good career for Miguel Cabrera. Hopefully he can, uh, you know, finish it off and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate him again, you know, this off season, when we start talking about the hall of fame. Yeah, definitely great career for him. Um, in 2013, just looking at his numbers, 2013 Miguel Cabrera was absolutely insane. Uh, he had a 3.48 average, 4.40 on base, a 5.34 slugging. Uh, sorry, that was wrong. Sorry, 3.48 average, 4.42 on base, 6.36 slugging in uh, 2013, mm-hmm. and, and 44 home runs. And in, in a year that, like, you know, that was kind of before all the juiced ball and all that stuff. Like that. Home runs were hard to hit. I think he led the league with 44 that year and uh, 193 WRC plus that season. It's just, I mean, that is just unbelievable numbers. Um, but uh, definitely a great career for him. Uh, I look forward to talking about him a little bit more here in the off season, and hopefully he gets a really nice send off by the old um, by the Detroit fans this weekend. Yeah, I, I saw the the starts of it tonight, and uh, it did look like it, it's going to be a, a shaping up to be a really good week and here in Detroit for the, the final send off for Miggy. But um, let's go ahead and jump over to players of the week so we can go ahead and wrap this show up. Uh, so David, who do you got for your player this week? Yeah, well, with a guy who, a pitcher who got his best or second best start of the season this week by game score. I'm going with Garrett Cole. And, uh, you know, I want to take the moment to note uh, game score is like a, it compiles everything that happened in the game in terms of walks, strikeouts, innings pitched, uh, kind of bit, puts it on a sliding scale that looks kind of like a typical school grade, but maybe a little more like 50 is average and then, you know, 60 is, you know, above average. Garrett Cole's start this week was a 90 game score. Uh, he threw eight, eight innings of two hit ball against the, the playoff bound Toronto Blue Jays, uh, gave up just one run. Struck out nine. Uh, it was good for a game score of 90. I, I want to bring up Garrett Cole because, you know, we are going to start looking at awards here coming up at probably next week. And, uh, you know, I, you're going to be hard pressed to find someone better suited for the AL Cy Young Award than Garrett Cole. Um, you'll find some equals, I think, you know, guys like Sonny Gray and, uh, and, and, and Kevin Gosman. But but Garrett Cole's been able to kind of equal them and, and even have a low, a better ERA. Uh, with 200 innings pitched, which I think is absolutely massive. You know, we only seeing three guys get to 200 innings pitched right now, and you know, we might only see a couple more by the end of the season. So, uh, you know, that that threshold is becoming more and more valuable, getting more innings out of your starting pitchers. And I think Garrett Cole being able to throw eight innings this week of two-hit ball, you know, as you know, what is his second best start of the season kind of exemplifies what he's kind of building towards. And if you take a glance at, at baseball reference, wins above replacement, Garrett Cole's got uh, the, the major league baseball lead in wins above replacement for starting pitchers. And it's, it's clear by like a half a win or something. So uh, he's looking really good, looking like a Cy Young award winner. Uh, and he's my player of the week, Matt, who you got? So my player of the week, um, I'm going with John Birdie from the Miami Marlins, former stolen base uh, leader in the National League one year. Uh, John Birdie, uh, he hit four home or he hit three home runs this week, which is not a John Birdie thing to do. He also hit 500 with a 579 on base and a 1.125 slugging percentage. And this was a week that the Marlins absolutely had to have it. Like they had to have John Birdie do this this week to stay in the playoff hunt and. 
it just it feels a little bit like that 2020 season where these guys like John Birdie just kind of come out of nowhere and somehow put up like the big best week of their careers and keep them alive in the playoff hunt. Like it's just it's been crazy for the Marlins, but um, they're still alive. And I, I, you know, John Birdie's been a big part of that. And uh, Luis Arias missed a couple games, and uh, you know that's been they had to pick up the slack somehow, and, and it's been really cool to see for him. Yeah, John Birdie's a really kind of fun player when he's on top of his game and, and doing what he can do. He's just running all over the field. Um, but you don't ever expect him to really have like a three-homer week um, yeah. there. But, hey, you need to st- players to step up when you need them most. <laughs> John Birdie did that this week. Um, the guy that I went with this week is rookie Evan Carter from the Texas Rangers. He was or is Fangraph's uh, 30th overall ranked prospect. The Rangers called him up when they were kind of struggling a little bit, and he might be one of the catalysts to saving their season here. In 17 games, you know, four homers, 13 runs, 10 RBIs, batted 326, a 194 WRC plus, a full win above replacement already in 17 games. Um, this week alone had three homers. One of them was a big two-homer day. Um, to to put them ahead, had seven RBIs there, a 389 average, uh, 450 on base, a 1,000 slugging this week, a 282 WRC plus, uh, 0.6 of that one war I was already saying. Um, Evan Carter's been phenomenal for the Rangers this year. The outfield we said was a little bit of a weakness for him. We knew they had some prospects. I don't think we expected Evan Carter to kind of be up this year, um, but they called him up and he's probably really helped save their season. I mean, obviously they have Seager and they have Simeon. Um, Jonah Himes back now, but he's really gave them a jolt here as they were kind of just starting to struggle. And now they've, we've just talked about, took a two and a half game lead in this division. So Evan Carter is my player this week. He's been huge. And I yep. believe he's 20, 21 yep. years old. He's so prospect too. Yeah. yeah. They've been he's allowing 20. him. They've been allowing him to go out there and, and mash and he's he got a 194 wrc plus so far uh, really proving why playing the young guys is a is a good plan sometimes and giving them regular plate appearances he's up to 17 games played 56 plate appearances they're not hiding him from major league pitching and he's coming out and excelling so that's very good yeah oh uh one thing that i forgot because it happened today and i did not put it on here is that and we'll have to talk more about this probably in the offseason too since we're already running a little bit long but um today hall of famer brooks robinson passed away um I didn't was see that. A, yeah he was a former mvp two-time world series winner 18-time all-star 16-time gold glove winner um Played his entire career, 23 years with the Baltimore Orioles, um, amassed a 267 average, 322 on base, a 401 slugging, 268 career homers, but was just gifted defensively. Like I said, 16 gold gloves, one of the best third base defenders of all time, if not the best. Um, he was 86 years old. Uh, so I, I know we were running a little bit long, but I forgot to put that in there. Um, but if you guys have any thoughts, go ahead. Yeah, that's 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 sad to hear. Um, he's uh, he was obviously one of the greatest baseball players ever, um, and you know a true Hall of Famer and an icon for the Orioles. Um, that there's only you know a couple guys with the Orioles that are as just as as iconic as he is, and uh, definitely uh, you know definitely a, a great baseball career, great life. Um, you know, 86 years old. He, um, you know, I, I hate to hear it, and um, thoughts are all out there with his family and with the whole Orioles uh, organization, and hopefully, maybe the Orioles will, will rally around it a little bit and you know win it for win it for Brooks. That would be pretty cool. My condolences. I do have one update. Chris Paddock's in the game for the Twins. Uh, his fastball velocities this inning: 99, 98, 97, 97, wow. 96, 96. Like I said, playing out of the bullpen will help. There you go. I will help, I will help there. Well, uh, thanks, David, for putting that in there so we don't end on such a somber note here with Brooks Robinson. But like I said, we will, in the offseason here, when, when we get some time, we'll have to talk more about this Miggy uh, Cabrera send-off and then about Brooks Robinson as well because we didn't really kind of give him his due here at the end of the show. But um, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. Or what, you got something? I was going to add one note. Um, 
we didn't mention earlier, Ronald Acuna did get his 40th and just hit his 41st home run. Oh, so yeah. it, he's he's got the 40-40 season, the fifth ever, and the um, and the first ever 40-60, 40-70. We don't know what it'll end up being, but um, it is the first yeah. ever 40-60, and he's two steals away from 40-70. Yeah. So um, that one. Oh, awesome. The schedule for the podcast, if you guys are listening to this, is going to be extremely weird with the playoffs here. We will do our best to keep you um, up to date on it all, but believe, look for the episode next Monday night or Tuesday morning. We'll be recording a date earlier next week because um, the wild card starts on Tuesday. So be on the lookout for that. Next week, we'll give you more information about what the rest of the schedule is going to look like for the playoffs here. But thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys back next week.